Hello, and welcome to Inside the Sound of Fear. In audible oscillations between 0.5 and 10 hertz begin to affect the vestibular of the inner ear, thus impacting balance and causes disorientation associated with fear, depression, anxiety, nausea, blurred vision, chest pain, hallucinations, and manifestations. Appearing to have no physical source, is infrared sound blurring the lines between dimensions or opening a gateway to a paranormal realm? Now, please enjoy Zero Zero One. It had been one year since Lila, the love of my life, my wife and partner in all things, including our hobby of ghost watching, left this plane of existence. In school, she had double majored in linguistics and history, being terribly fond of old maps and books, and when I went about the heartbreaking business of returning her things to her family, there was one volume to which Lila constantly referred that I kept. A manuscript from the Italian Renaissance, ominously entitled Potentiae Anime Hominum. A month ago, to distract myself from mourning her, I threw myself more deeply into my work. I'm a composer for a popular nighttime TV drama. I should probably explain that prior to the musical score being produced for an episode, I meet with my director at a spotting session, where we view the project without sound. The director calls out what musical cues he wants and where, then I go home to my computer and create the music. If I were to ever miss or misremember one of the director's many notes, I would lose my job. So I record our meetings on my phone with a voice-activated app that records what anyone says, or ambient noise like a door opening or even the occasional annoying creak of leather from my self-styled bad boy director's motorcycle jacket. Last night, when I got home, it was cold. So I closed the windows and got under the covers of our, my, king-size bed. I dreamed vividly of Lila, dressed in her white nightgown, whispering ceaselessly into my ear, reminding me of our most pleasant memories and our disagreements, the silly things we had said to impress one another on our first date, then something she said in the dream frightened me. I awoke with a shiver and bolted upright to find our bedroom window wide open, my breath steaming the icy air. I had neglected to turn off the app on my phone, and there was a new message that had not been there when I had fallen asleep. The recording time totaled one second. An error on the app's part for what I played lasted eons. The sibilant shrieks and guttural roars from that recording that broke the hideous silence were not altogether unearthly, nor hollow, nor intimately familiar. They were a heart-rending, soul-shattering combination I dare not revisit for the rest of my days. Man, Victor, you left us on our toes there a little bit with that one. It's a uh... No, it's it, it's a cool, just short and quick. That that one's very Twilight Zone. So far out of the the bunch, that's like the most like. I know. Oh, what? 
All right, so he's been getting these just uh, getting these voicemails from his dead ex-wife. Yeah, or is I'm, it? Well, they. I'm assuming she wasn't an ex; like she passed. She passed. I mean, uh, she's literally his ex-wife. <laughs> she's an yeah. ex-person. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but like, it seems to be that it was a tragic death that wasn't expected, not a death of old age. Right. Right. Yeah, um, thanks. I, I mean, I do. I loved The Twilight Zone and uh, Night Gallery uh, growing up, and I think that I've embraced like the sort of aesthetic of those TV shows with everything in this book. Like, I, yeah, I think that it's they're all sort of PG thirteen R, maybe bordering on R level of mm-hmm. gore and violence, um, but uh, but they're mainly uh, speculative bits of fiction that, you know, are just supposed to cause you to go, hmm, I wonder if that could happen, you know? Yeah. So how do you write? I mean, how? this is a super short story. And I would assume just like writing, uh, um, you know, doing work with that type of constraints, it makes it harder. But it's kind of like uh, when when you tell someone, like, what's the elevator pitch for your idea? You know, like, can you make it shorter? And this is very short so like what was the challenge i mean this is absolutely a challenge so you talk about that a little i'm I'm glad it didn't seem too forced but yeah originally i wrote this for uh, an anthology that um was unfortunately abandoned because there there just wasn't enough good material out there um but um the challenge was to write a story a a complete narrative in 10 sentences so this story has 10 sentences in it um and i think i managed to tell everything about it. There's an introduction, there's a rising action, there's a climax, and a denouement, which is very quick. Um, but uh, yeah, it's, it's basically three paragraphs long, and um, it, uh, it tells this, this ghost story about this composer. And I thought this would be a really good way to sort of um, address the, the spotting session. I've been to hundreds of spotting sessions in my first career, um, and uh, they're a very curious thing, uh, because the director just talks and you're expected to know absolutely everything he says. So I started working with composers who very wisely videotaped the, um, uh, the, the whole spotting session so that they would not miss a single note. Um, but uh, these days, I'm sure people use apps like this that stop and start whenever there's a noise uh, so they can catch everything that's said at the spotting session. So anyway, that's what happens. And then the app mysteriously is left on when uh, the uh, husband goes to sleep. And uh, when he wakes up, there's a special message on it. Yeah, it's like uh, if your Alexa just turned on in the middle of the night. Yes. Um, no, I liked how you used a composer to as the vessel for the story because, you know, you could think of other ways for someone that has a need for this app and you could create another character for it. But obviously since this is the sound of fear, all of these people need to be in the world of audio somehow. Mm-hmm. Is there a short story that you had in mind when you, when you wrote it, something specific or, or a specific author that you thought of when you're like, I want to write a short story and no, uh, well, yeah, there, uh, definitely was, there actual, was it for an event? Like, uh, no, no, it was, it was really just, I, I wanted to, um, I thought it was a, a, a challenging experiment to write a story in 10, ten sentences, um, even though that anthology, like I said, never never happened. But um, I, it's definitely um, a ripoff of the style of H.P. Lovecraft, the, especially the last line or the last couple of lines where like Lovecraft would describe a lot of his monsters or unearthly phenomena as not quite this and not quite that, but a combination. And the way he would word it would, you know, evoke this 
really weird image in the reader's mind. And that's what I wanted. I didn't want the ghost in the story to be too quantifiable. Like I wanted it to remain unearthly. So that's why I had the the, the narrator speak in that voice where he's like, uh, well, it was kind of like this and it was kind of like that, but this is how I felt when it was said, you know? And, and, and that lets the reader sort of fill in the blanks with his uh, with his mind. And uh, I think that, that it works more, with a little more profundity in, in that way. I like that. Um, personally, because I feel like I've, I don't know if I've been warned by ghosts, but I've definitely had paranormal experiences oh. myself. Um, Do tell. I've had one significant one when I was in the Coast Guard, and it was in Garibaldi, Oregon. Ooh. And then uh, the apartment we lived in in North Hollywood, was pretty fucking haunted, but I liked that ghost. It was a cool ghost. Nice. Um, the one in Garibaldi when I was in Oregon, that that one, uh, I'm not sure what that entity was because I'd never, I always thought I had some sort of connection to that world ever since I was a kid because I've always experienced things. I used to draw aliens for no reason mm-hmm. and like used to be really into this book called uh, Devils and Demons, I think it was what it was called. It was some old 70s book about cryptids basically and like people who experience um you know who not necessarily are medium but people who have had experiences they can't explain yeah the one in garibaldi was really interesting i was in this i was stationed in this coast guard station in garibaldi oregon and a lot of people died at that unit and uh just because it's there on the it's near cape disappointment which is the columbia river that splits the it's basically the Oregon and Washington border. Oh, you know, yeah, isn't that like where one, one of the few places where salmon spawn? It's a big one, mm. but I mean, salmon spawn kind of all over. Damn, halfway, you know, east into the state of Washington, the Columbia River is the border. You know, that is the border of Washington and Oregon for majority of the the states where they where they uh, touch, mm. and <clears throat> at the mouth of it, where it meets the ocean. It's really treacherous, and it's called Cape Disappointment because it's the graveyard of the Pacific. Mm. You know, uh, it's like the most shipwrecks in the Pacific Ocean are sitting right there. Dude, I feel a new story emerging. Yeah, yeah, there's quite a few from there. Um, and we used to do anywhere between 200 and 400 search and rescue cases a year. Some, And a lot of them are just, we call them AAA. You're just towing people in, but a lot of them are pretty treacherous. Mm. Um, it's because they have a very big tide change there. And that tide change is met with a really um, fast uh, grade of the ocean floor. The ocean floor doesn't gradually meet up to the shore. It's, mm. it's super steep. Mm. So waves don't have time to slow down. They build really tall mm. and are very forceful. And with a, with a fast tide change, you know, you'd see a tide change that moves at 20 knots. Right. And, you know... Think of driving a boat against a current moving 20 knots. That that sounds insane. You better have a powerful boat. Yeah, and you know, for those of you out there that don't live on the northern west coast of uh, the, uh, the of North America, um, just check out the waves in Point Break, um, which were shot that's uh, shot in Oregon, I think. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know um, that that whole area, the surf can be very intense uh, mm-hmm. in this part of the country, especially this time of year in the fall and winter. It gets really bad. So this was like kind of dead of winter. I'm in the comms room and the comms room is like the dispatch room. It's where you essentially listen to the radios and dispatch the boats. 
And the Coast Guard's so small that we all share duties. So there's no dispatch person. Like I can actually, I could put on my resume that I was a emergency dispatcher, hmm. you know, for half my time while I was in the Coast Guard there. It's pretty cool. Yeah. So you get really good with talking on phones and radios and dealing with hysterical people and calming them down. And mm-hmm. um, so you'd sleep in there at night around 10 o'clock or 2200 or sorry, 2200. You call Astoria, Oregon, and that's the group uh, headquarters for that area. Hmm. And you say, hey, I'm the watch person down here in Garibaldi. I'm going to sleep. Can you watch my radios till the morning? So they have people that work 24 hours. They monitor your radios. You go to sleep. If anything happens, you get the bat phone ringing and wake you up. Hmm. So I thought I'd been asleep forever, but it felt like I was awake. And... I'm like, I felt like I watched my body get shoved into the bed by something, Mm. but I just watched my body. I didn't see the entity. Yep. And then all of a sudden I'm transported back into my body and am experiencing my body being pushed. Like, I Mm. mean, like picture someone over top of you and just violently shaking you one hard time. Yeah. Like just going, ah, like not multiple shakes, just one hard shake to, and it jolted me up out of bed where I just was like, like I was just felt like I was awake in the room watching myself sleep and then I'm in my body and then it happens. Well, that sounds like a touch of sleep paralysis. It was crazy, man. And I wake up and then um, I feel like I'm like, what does what that sound? Like I'm hearing water running. How the fuck is water running? And I go around the corner to the bathroom and it, that part gives me chills now again thinking about it. the sink is on hot. The hot water is on mm. and it's just scalding hot. Now what's weird is Hey, everyone else is asleep. This is the middle of the night. This is like two or something in the morning. Mm-hmm. That water, this is in Oregon, and this is on a pier. It takes a very long time for water to heat up. This water was hot as fuck, mm-hmm. like it had been running for at least five minutes. Yep. So, and I just heard it, and it freaked me out. That freaked me out more than anything. So I turn it off. I could barely touch the knob. It was so hot. Wow. And then when I do that, I hear the water downstairs on Oh. now, too. So I go running downstairs and it's giving me chills. And I banged on the door to the, the lead, uh, the, uh, the bosun that was on watch that night. And I just bang on the door and, uh, I go on there and I'm like trying to turn off the water and he comes out. He's like, Alice, what the, what the fuck, man? What's wrong? And I'm like, Billy, I'm like, dude, the water. And I'm just like, tell him about, I'm like this water. And he's like, Oh shit. He's like, yeah, welcome to the club. Oh. And I was like, what, man? He's like, I was he like, knew. do you know about this? He's like, oh, yeah, it happens sometimes. He's like, consider yourself, uh, you know, one of the cool ones. You're in the club now. <laughs> Only a few people get to experience it. But he's like, we think it's a girl. Um, some people have actually seen her. And I was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. I was like, you know, I don't want to say she's wearing white because it just sounds cliche. But I'm like, she looked like from something from the, like a person from the 1800s. And he's like, mm-hmm. yeah, sounds about what other people said. Burnett hair. And I kind of described her. Mm-hmm. Um, he's like, yep. Well, and then it, it never happened again. Mm. That was the only time. I mean, lots of other weird things happen there. Like, uh, a lot of people die there. So it's, it makes sense. There's a lot of energy there. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the one in the one in our California apartment, just real quick, that one was just someone had died in there a long time ago and things would fall off of counters. And specifically we had made like a, a curtain, um, you know, it's LA. So like, everyone's apartment you have to come up with ways to kind of make your apartment feel like it has multiple rooms when it really only has two mm. so we had put up like a, a bead curtain right 
um, for the hallway where the with the little corridor where the bathroom was, and uh, those beads would just all of a sudden fall off the strand, and mm. it made no sense. You'd look at it, and you're like, "How did this come off? How did this possibly?" fall off of here there's no i could sit there and tug on it with my hand and it was fishing line and like you could put at least 30 pounds of weight on and pull and they wouldn't pull and then they would just suddenly just fall off that would scare the shit out of us daryl hated it she would go into the room and go into the bedroom when that happened i started to embrace it would start playing music when it happened Mm. and and crazy ideas would flow out of me Mm. i felt like that thing was helping me Especially with guitar stuff. Like whenever I'd play guitar, I was like, I think the spirit's extra happy because like it felt like I had this person behind me like helping me play the guitar. Wow. Yeah. Very cool. And it didn't happen all the time. Just yeah. a few moments. Well, one in particular, I remember in the middle of the night playing the guitar and I was like, it just felt so compelled. And I was like, this is a trip. I've never played anything like this before. Yeah, that's wild, man. Yeah, it's pretty cool. You know, it's one of my favorite theories of, like, the world of, like, right. we have a veil that keeps us from seeing, like, you know, um, for all we know, like, if other things came to this planet, it just looks like burning hell. We're all actually dying and suffering, but we have a veil over us that makes it look all like, you know, a nice green earth. I, I have a lot of, of stories in this in this collection and not in this collection that uh, that are based on that theory. Cool. Um that uh, absolutely, it makes logical sense to me. Even though I have never seen those things, I can never say for sure that that exists, that, that there's a reality beyond what we can perceive. It makes sense that it would, and we just don't yet have the science to prove it the way we used to not have the science to prove a lot of things that we know now. Yeah, in some ways, though, our science is like too restricted to allow us to think outside of conventional terms, you know, of Right. If it doesn't work with our math or our physics we have, then it couldn't possibly exist. Right. If it's repeatable, then science declares it a fact. Right. Um, but if it's not repeatable, and there could be lots of realities that exist that are not repeatable in, in, those, in those terms, that, uh, then that's declared bunk, you know? Some, pe- some people I like that think about this, those experiences, you know, like mine with the ghost or people with alien abductions, is that the reason it's really hard to obtain tangible proof of these things is that it's a very personal experience for the person that it's happening to. Yeah. And just like, you know, the guy said on the watch, he was like, Oh, consider yourself lucky. Cause it's like, not everybody gets to experience these, you know, and yeah. you could put a couple people in a place that's haunted to all hell. And one of them might only have an actual experience. The other people feel creeped out, but they don't actually experience anything. So I, I mm-hmm. do in some way think, when you interact with those energies, it is a very personal experience and it's, you're you're crossing over into like this other side of the physics we don't understand. And, you know, energy, if you think of it logically, the way I explain it, like I'm not a a religious person in any regards, but I think that there's energy that exists and like the human brain is, has enough energy to power houses. If you, you know, made it qualitative to like how you know regular electricity is produced Mm -hmm. our brain could power a couple houses i think is like three houses or something is like what they've determined where does that energy doesn't die it's kind of like a sound you know a sound a frequency a sound wave never really technically dies it just dissipates below our ability to perceive it sure yeah we just we just don't know how to harness it yeah and, and reuse it so energy could be the same way when you die is that our energy dissipates below the threshold of our perception. Right. And perception is the key word. And it's why I like audio, is that audio 
adheres to a couple of rules, right? Audio is a physical, um, it's a, it's a physical embodiment. You know, it reacts to the mm-hmm. atmosphere, mm-hmm. but it's also electricity. Right. So it gets a little complicated because sometimes audio does whatever the fuck it wants to because it reacts to the space it's in. Right. And it doesn't have the same predictability that electricity has. Yeah. Electricity has a lot more predictability because of how we harness electricity now. But, you know, especially, um, you know, the fact that we have DC current and alternating current, we can kind of control the flow of electricity really well. Right. But with audio in a room, you're, you're really at the mercy of like what the room can do and you can mitigate those things or you can help change it or help help the sound adapt to that room. But that's what makes sound so fun to me is that it really in some regards has its a mind of its own sometimes. That Yeah. Not only that, but um, I, I think it's that audio is a great example of, of this because we know because machines we've made machines that are more perceptive than the human ear that can pick up uh, lots of sounds and quantify them in the ultrasonic and infrasonic spectra like you and i know this because we know about audio um but human beings normal human beings can't perceive them those frequencies but animals can some some animals and um you know some people can hear certain parts of the spectrum too uh, that normals can't, uh, but um, but that's great because that's that that can be proved scientifically because it can be repeated over and over again. You you know the frequency that's happening even though it's imperceptible to human ears. But why not um, something in the visual spectrum or something in the energy spectrum, electromagnetic or or something like that that we just don't have machines that are capable of charting yet? I mean, of course, why not? Oh, absolutely. Um... I mean, when you say that with frequencies not being perceived by us, but animals, you know, because they have a different hearing range than we do. And animals tend to feel things a little bit more than they hear things, you know, too. They Like sharks quite actually hear through their bones, right? Mm. Um, They are like a tuned kind of piece of material that absorbs sound. And Mm. it's it's cool how they work because their body is like a tuning fork. Um, Well... It was really good hearing that story from you, Victor. Um, Thanks, man. Look forward to our next one. Do you know off the top of your head what the next story is? You probably do. Yes. The next story. Oh, my gosh. Um, we are going into the realm of dark fantasy with this next story. We're going to read uh, a bit of historical fantasy um, called Scripto Inferior. Scripto Inferior. All right. Well, I look forward to it. Thank you all for listening today, and we will see you on the next episode.